Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. You've reached episode number 321. It's episode 5 in our Thinking the Unthinkable series, and it's entitled Website Clients Are Impossible. It was published on Thursday the 6th of April 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and I'll be joined in a few minutes by my good friend David Wormsley to have our chat. Prior to that, though, just a few tiny bits of housekeeping. There's a few things going on this week, something a little bit special. On the main page of the website, so the homepage of the WPBuilds.com website, we have a little caption, a little section at the top, all about Michelle Frechette. Now, Michelle Frechette has been a great friend of the WP Builds podcast. She's been on the This Week in WordPress show countless times, and she wants to go to WordCamp Europe this year, and I'm trying to get a little bit of donation going on. So if you go to WPBuilds.com, click on the Let's Get Michelle Frechette to WCEU, WordCamp Europe in other words, then you can donate. There's actually no transaction taking place. We're just getting pledges at this point. And if we reach the goal, then we will get you in touch with Michelle so that you can give her your kind donation. If you feel able to do that, go and fill out the form and we can then hopefully get our little target moving closer and closer to what we need. So that would be really, really kind. If anybody feels that they want to do that, thank you very much. The other thing to mention is that we have our deals page, wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. It's a bit like Black Friday, but every single day of the year. Searchable, filterable, list of deals, go check it out. And the last thing I want to mention this week is, of course, if you feel that you want to, well, boost the show, please go out and share it in whatever way you want. But having a podcast review on something like Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts would be really, really helpful. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by going to go.me forward slash WP builds. That is go.me forward slash WP builds. And we do thank GoDaddy Pro for their continuing ongoing support of the WP builds podcast. Okay. What have we got for you today? Well, as I said at the top of the show, this episode is really called Website Clients Are Impossible. I'm sure that your website clients could probably say the same thing in reverse. So web designers are impossible. But it's just a conversation with David and I about the bits and pieces that can go wrong. What is it that we're doing to infuriate our clients? Are we bending over backwards, giving them everything they want and then moaning about it later? Are we sticking rigidly to our approach? What exactly are we doing and what is frustrating us about our clients? I hope that you enjoy the podcast.
Welcome to the fifth episode of our Thinking the Unthinkable series, where we attempt to rationalize controversial views on WordPress and web design. Today's topic is website clients are impossible, which we also could have called web designers <laughs> are impossible because really, <laughs> oh, we're just talking about the tense relationship that there often is between those who commission websites and those who build them. Yeah, or alternatively, you could have just called it humans in every scenario are impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's, you know, any, any interface of humans, there's bound at some point to be some yeah. difference of opinion, shall we say. Yeah. Well, our last series, when we were looking at these kind of contrasted approaches, agile and, you know, traditional project management, um, we had this client and she was happy to go along with everything we suggested. So I guess we're just picking up on that because that's... Well, so often not the case, isn't it? By the it? way, just so that you know, I heard back from Madame A and she's a, she's done very, very well out of that website that we <laughs> built her. It's really high high return on the investment. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay, so what are we talking about? So, you know, the basis is there is a, quite a bit of griping about clients. Am I right? Oh, my goodness. It seems to be the topic of the last three or four years. <laughs> I mean... I don't know if it always went on. It probably went on in everybody's head. You know, I imagine prior to people being involved in Facebook groups and things like that, I imagine mm. really you'd end up just sort of slamming the phone down and then going and murmuring to people in your house about, oh, I just had this client, they won't listen. <laughs> they don't know that I've got all these years of experience and they want me to do foolish things with their website. But now that that sort of histrionics seems to get played out writ large, doesn't it, in Facebook groups where... People yeah. come and they post about this client who's been really unreasonable. And sometimes you can sympathize and at other times it, it does feel the way they've explained it as if perhaps you're being a bit hot-headed and not really paying enough attention to what they're saying. It's it's difficult. It's really difficult. There's a lot of self-loathing I think comes with it because you do, you know, kind of hate the fact that, I mean, certainly I have griped quite a lot. And I, I remember, you know, just getting into this there was already sites like Clients from Hell where people were sharing yes. these kind of stories. And there was always that classic oatmeal yeah. uh, comic yeah. which goes through a design process and how it goes to hell at the yeah. end. But uh, <laughs> so, you know, and then, of course, I mean, some of these Facebook groups can quite quickly become quite toxic, really, because everybody needs to pour out their frustrations and all uh, their, I guess, also they want to share how they've overcome them. And... Uh, for me, I think, and this is why I wanted to talk about it, because I've been caught in this kind of polarized approach, this part of the self-loathing. And it's like, I think you basically got the two camps, which is the one is give the client what they want. They're paying for it. You can advise them, but if they don't listen, fine, it's their money. Yeah. And then you've got the, they hired an expert. They must follow what the expert says. And that's me. And I think, you know, you've got these kind of two camps but really, I guess what I wanted to talk about is that I think maybe that's the the root of the problem, or yeah. it has been for me. I have a I have a slightly different take on it. My my take on it is that I I suffer a bit from self doubt, so it's yeah. not really self loathing so much. It's that I'm I was very often never a hundred percent sure that my advice couldn't be bettered, if you know what I mean. So imagining yeah. a scenario where some other designer was in the room, other other person who built websites was in the room, and then it, we get to take it in turns to say what we want. I, I always get that little nagging doubt in the back of my mind. 
would would the person next to me once i finish would they come up with something better is there a better way <laughs> have i thought it through enough and so there's this sort of imposter syndrome a little bit and that makes me nervous and and i i think on balance yeah i think it's true to say that i probably fell more into the category of give the client what they want as a result yeah. of that you know i never had that complete certainty that what i was doing was going to be 100% the best thing and and there was an element of you know let's get this project finished we've agreed the budget yeah. that's really at the end of the day that that is the 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 thing that i'm most interested in i need to get paid for this and so yeah. if me standing my ground and saying good grief you know no we i really i'm going to say in very strong language we're not doing that there's that fear of well will they become frustrated and walk away ultimately will i lose the project will i draw out the amount of time that i'm spending on this and whilst I'm sure that isn't the best approach and people will be yelling at me saying, oh, why didn't you stick your ground? I, I, it worked for me in the end. You know, it kept the, yeah. kept the, the meetings friendly and happy. And uh, to be yeah. honest, nobody really in my career ever came out with something so jaw-droppingly stupid that <laughs> I refused. It was mainly a set of aesthetics and palettes and branding things. Yeah. So not really much to report there. George Jopoli stupid was your role, wasn't it? Yeah, that was it. That was what I <laughs> had to do. I would come in as the clown. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, but I, I'm the same as you on that one. I, uh, you know, uh, particularly earlier on, the, the the key important thing is to have some work and get through it, and the client's paying for it. So, you know, you have to give them what they want. And I, you know, I didn't have that um, confidence to say I'm the expert, particularly. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, what happened is that as I kept learning, I got more into that role. So I ended up moving away from giving the clients they want to arguing with them. And I think what I've learned now, I've had to go through, you know, both sides of this a little bit. And I think the conclusion I come to is the fact that a web design is creative anyway. So it's difficult because people are going to have subjective opinions. But the key thing is, as I've gone on, you've learned how, you learn how multidisciplined the whole thing is to build, you know, as just maybe you and the client, the idea to bring in all of these separate skills that make up something which is so fundamental to their business is actually beyond the expertise of any one person, I think. Yeah. It's interesting and you use the word argument there, or you said I argue with them or something. Did it, did it ever come to that? Um, or or <laughs> not, by argument, do you mean I, I stuck my ground and we had a, a, a slightly heated conversation? Yeah, I'm thinking more argument as in making putting forward an argument ah, rather than it. Right, having right. A, a, yeah. a huge disagreement. Yeah. So, yeah, so I would kind of argue why you might want to do stuff. And most of the time, I mean, all I was doing is I was referring to people who, who know, knew more than me to put them on my side. But the problem, I think, then was the fact that I'm bringing that in later in the in the project so if you like it's the same as what clients sometimes do so you know if you say okay i'm going to design it as the expert the client goes along with that and says fine that's how you do it you are the expert we'll let you do it that's what i'm paying for but then there's going to be some point where they might doubt it it doesn't fit in with what they expected because you didn't explain the process and then they start to pull in their own experts they get somebody who's in design to check it out and then they start coming in to the designer saying this person's also a designer and they say, <laughs> contrary to you. So I think 
that's always the problem, isn't it? You know, I was doing what clients sometimes would do. They haven't done it to me, but have done to others, you know, in terms of pulling in expertise from elsewhere to make your case. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I guess it really does depend on the kind of client that you've got as well. So in my case, it was often local clients. The budgets were never gigantic. You know, it wasn't like I was dealing with £100,000 websites or anything even approaching that. And so they really didn't have that wealth of people to bring to bear on their team. This was usually somebody who was given either they had their own business, which they needed to promote, and they had no experience on the internet except for using the internet, or it was a, a business, you know, they've got various employees and somebody has been tasked with the website. But again, it was typically that they weren't an expert and they just needed to offload that expertise. So I never ended up in the in the room with people who have obviously been building websites for the same length of time as I have. And so thankfully, I never really had to confront that. Yeah, I think never is the right word there. And you and I both kind of started in the same way where you had a designer would show some designs for the client to pick and then that would get billed. I don't know if you're saying that. And I also kicked off with Maria, who was effectively doing the same. They said, you know, she did them some home pages. Did they like it? And then I helped her to build that out. And now it's funny because I, I've kind of uh, realized that many of those people who were objected to that kind of approach and saw the web as different have now kind of surfaced as dominant. People who have been around since the late 90s, academics talking about how the web is totally different, they've now started to influence me. So now... I think, well, that's entirely the wrong way of doing it because it's, you know, the web, it's a user interface for the user and the user, like customers, is key to any business. And if you don't understand how the user works and is going to interact with your thing that you've built, you're really on the wrong foot. So somebody saying, I like that design is really kind of subpar for what it primarily needs to do, which is to, you know, help users to go through certain actions. Yes, I guess the the web has moved on more, hasn't it? It's become such a integral part of our lives. When when we both began, the internet yeah. really was it was a bit of fun that you did in your spare time. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean that from our point of view. I mean that from the user's point of view. Typically, yeah. if you if you went onto the internet, it was you know, you were checking emails maybe, but outside of that, you were probably just browsing, finding out information. And now it's become an essential tool for everything, you know, say selling your business. I can't think of a, a single more important asset than the internet now, especially if you're selling, you know, products and services and what have you. It's just a, a tool that anybody can access from anywhere on earth at the drop of a hat. And so that that conversation has changed. And to, to, to talk to the clients about the importance of this as a crucial business asset is definitely more important than it was before. Because before, when we both began, it really was. It was just a bit of window dressing. It was, I've got yeah. a place on the internet. I've got a website. Look, come and see. Look, I've got a <laughs> yeah. website. And I remember some of my clients literally doing that. They would email their customers to say, we've got a new website. Come and have a look at it. No, no thought of why would you go to look at it? Just, we've got a website. You know, we're important yeah. now. Um, but that's yeah. definitely changed. And I think having those conversations and bringing to bear your expertise and years of experience and, okay, why are we doing this is way yeah. more important than it used to be. 
And I think it's really tricky for the clients. I mean, it's taken me, what, you know, 16, 17 years to get to realize what some of those earlier people were talking about, the the key importance of the user experience and, and UI design, which really is not what we're thinking about when we show somebody a visual mock-up. And, and just also the, with the agile approach of the way, of the way that you, know, you can build into the fact that you can't possibly know at the beginning until you've really seen it in use that you're doing the right thing. You know, no yeah. one can be an expert up front in everything. So the fact it's taken me all this time to catch up with, if you like, some of the leaders in the field on this one, I just think, it's really tricky for clients to do that because, you know, in terms of UX, the website is that tip of the iceberg. What they see I is guess, literally I, I guess all they're worried about. it is possible to come to them with a Figma design or whatever tool you're going to use yeah. to do that and have had those thoughts in your head. So I, I guess there's, it's not always the case that if you just present them with a, a, a bunch of templates for this is what we think your website is, can we now go off and build it, please? If, if you can then explain, okay, the purpose of this bit is this, and this is the purpose of this bit, and you have told us that you want to sell as much of this as possible, so that's why that's there. If you can have that conversation, I guess that's not really out of the remit of decent design. No. I think, you know, one of the, one of the things about dealing with clients is usually getting a process, and that's what most people talk about, but that itself is problematic, as we talked about before this, too contrasting approaches out there if you try if you try perhaps you know project-based off-the-shelf process for managing clients through it you know they it's you know you, you, most of those have been formulated by marketers rather than designers if you like and they're about getting people through a system aren't they about you know buying some software or something that takes the content off them and pushing them through these various stages at least it's something you can sign clients up to but the problem with that one, it always feels like you are banging kind of round pegs into square holes. Yeah. It should be the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, I, yeah I got I mean. the mixed, the mixed <laughs> metaphor. Yeah. yeah. And, but then if you try the thing that I've been trying recently with the agile thing where you say, yeah, there isn't really a budget. We're going to learn it as we go along. We're going to collaborate. We're going to test it. We're going to put up the minimum amount. It's really, really difficult for clients to kind of get that because they go oh what well, a website mate you know yeah 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 well yeah because you don't you don't <laughs> what buy for give me a price yeah, come on I mean, there's virtually nothing in the world where you do that you don't go into a, a car dealership and say would it be all right if we if we just sort of if can i get the wheels today and then we'll yeah. try those out for a bit and then maybe we'll just bolt the engine onto that and we'll see how that goes and then maybe the chassis, we can add that a little bit later. You know, there's just you buy the thing, right? You just yeah. buy the thing. You don't buy a half-finished book, a half-finished pair of shoes. In fact, I'm struggling to think of anything which you buy and it's half complete, except this. <laughs> so it is a hard process. It's difficult. Yeah. And, I, you know, I had some experience of, if you like, what was professional design. I mean... I worked for the government and it had its own communications department who had its own uh, web team in there to do jobs. And they were following at that time what were the common processes. And it was quite good because everybody who was an employee in the company could actively get uh, take uh, play some part in the new web site that they were building at that time because they had a, a procedure in place that 
uh, it's basically card sorting and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, how you would structure yeah. stuff and 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 what it did, and I think this is where we have difficulty when we're kind of more like freelancers dealing with clients. It had a procedure uh, with the gravitas to be able to put it through. So oh, no nice. one's opinion could ever come through on this. There's, there's not really much room for, if you like, aggressive argument. There's, you know, you obviously can put a case forward for why you want something, but everything has to be at a non-personal level because it's a procedure we're going through in order to meet the end goal. And I think that's mostly why the designers and the clients can be at odds with each other because often the designer may be visual and is committed to something. They may be upfront, put some work into it that excludes the client. So then, you know, when the, if somebody wants to change it, change it, it's really ruining everything. They, their thought process and how they put it together is kind of gets ruined. So there's friction there, and it's the same if the client is excluded as well. Um, no, well, the other way around. Mm-hmm. If the designer's been told what to do by the client, then the client has set themselves up in an impossible situation in a web design because they've said, "Okay, I'm a visual designer." I'm a UX expert, I'm a UI expert, I'm a copywriter, I'm all of these things. And that's quite hard for many of us who have picked up a lot of these skills along the way to kind of listen to. So yes, I think process is always the way with it. Yes. Yeah. Which was sadly something that I was never <laughs> particularly, yeah, me too. particularly good at. It was more flying by the seat of my pants. But I, I guess, you know, it, the conversation that we're having is around whether web client, website clients are impossible. I I genuinely didn't find that. I I had I had proper moments of exasperation, but yeah. we were talking before we clicked record, and essentially, I think I think it comes down to being able to have a conversation. I think once you get to the point where you've fallen out and you disagree, mm. I think that's really a difficult thing to repair. You may yeah. have your entrenched opinion. You may think that something that they suggest is clearly from the 1960s. <laughs> mm. But you've got to have that conversation. You you can't let this thing fall apart. Well, I mean, obviously, if they are utterly belligerent and beyond hope, perhaps there is scope for just saying, look, we're not working with each other. But my my contention always would be that is the rare thing, not the not the norm. And to be, I guess, if you're in this business and fifty percent, sixty percent of your clients are doing your head in, you mm. maybe need to start asking, well, wh- wh- why is that? What's the what's the common problem here? Um, and it may be that you are the common problem, and I definitely think that I avoided dodge that bullet, shall we say? Yeah. Uh, there's kind of two ways. Yeah. If you're always having, there's always a, a um, friction in the relationships you have with the clients, then you're probably in the wrong business because you do need to get on with people. I mean, these soft skills are really important, I think, in something like this. But also, I think there is a danger with the, if you're, uh, the, I, I believe the client is always right. And if they are wrong, which they can be because they, if you like, they're claiming expertise for things they are not expert in, it's kind of our fault that they are wrong. And oh, if we on. just You're say- you going to have to explain that. I go on, that's interesting. Well, it, yeah, you know, if we go with the client is always right, which I think you and I instinctively want to do, I think yeah. it's, the, the, it's the foundation of good service, isn't it? Yeah. But but sometimes the client is going to be wrong, and that's because the responsibilities they've taken on are beyond their abilities. In fact, they're beyond 
our own abilities as the web designers. Mm. You know, they're actually bigger than us. And if we allow them then to, you know, put forward what they want and go with it and say the customer's always right, they may not be right. It may not be good for their business. And then if we just keep going with that, we're also not serving them in the long term. We're actually just going, yeah, I've given up. I don't want to fight. I just want my money. Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, and that, that, and that yeah. also is pretty lazy, isn't it? It's kind of like that whole cruel to be kind thing, isn't it? Where yeah. you, yes, you may you may very well know that their judgment is going to harm their business, or maybe harm is the wrong word. Maybe you know that if if we did X, we would grow their business. They would get a much greater return off this investment than they than they would if they go with their own thoughts, which are why. But you have to. There is a little. There's a tightrope to tread there. You know how how attached are they to why? And just before we started the call, you you mentioned that you have a project mm. ongoing at the minute where it seems that they are clinging to why, and they're not going to let that come out of their their hands until they're <laughs> under the ground so what do you do in that situation and my my scenario was always look if i've if i if i've explained what i wanted and i think this is what you were meaning you know it's our fault if we haven't explained it enough if i've explained yeah. what i want and why i think my idea is superior in one for want of a better word than than their idea and they still won't budge that that is just that's just part of human nature, isn't it? We've all got our little bits which we won't budge on, our own set of morals or our own proclivities, which we think, actually, this is a bedrock of, of the way I am. And, you know, it may be mm. that they want to be stuck in the 1960s. <laughs> it's just, okay, fair enough. And I, at that point, do tend to back down. I just I just can't see the point in having an argument. I, from that moment on, I'm viewing it as a, okay, get, get through this, move on to the next one, get paid. Yeah, and I think you kind of have to do it. I think if you're, you know, long term when you're thinking about it and how the web's changed and how we view it, long term you kind of have to adjust to keep the work that you're going to be happy with. So, you know, you're obviously not going to you've got to win the war but not necessarily each of the battles with oh, it. So nice. some of them, yeah, like you it. know, yeah. and I think and that's really where I'm going. I mean, you know, I use this podcast really as kind of counselling for me. So, I mean, my, <laughs> the reason this topic's here, because, yeah, well, I'm very happy with how I've moved, if you like, in the direction of this kind of agile and UX-centred way, because I'm working with the clients in collaboration, not claiming expertise and asking them to come with the problems first. And we'll work out using the expertise that's out there in UX to work out how we might go about solving those problems. And because of it, it's collaborative, we're working together. And I've been really happy with my recent projects. They're so, I'm not getting caught into that sort of power battle, if you like, that goes on between one person's opinion and another. We, we try and raise it. What's come to me as a problem recently is the old clients who I did the traditional way who are coming oh, needing changes to their websites. Right. And of course, they're coming to me with something I've now got used to not being there, which is they're coming to me with the solution, That's, not the yes. problem. They, yeah. they say, I want this changing on the site. And you're, and you're thinking, actually, that's really not going to benefit you in all goodness, you, or at least you'd want to test it. And I just think, how do I switch these people? <laughs> yeah. to the new way, which seems to be working much better for me. Um, can, can I ask you a question? It's, I don't know that we've ever asked this question, but this is really crucial. How much time, like maybe this is a percentage or you could give me a number of hours, I don't know. How much time now 
do you spend thinking about the website before uh, yeah. you do anything? Because I I never really gave a lot of time to just sit and think and browse the internet and look for alternative solutions to the same problem that my clients has got. It was more kind of, okay, I've got the brief, right, let's grab the tools and get on with it. Whereas it sounds to me as if you've entered a period of time where you've got to put a lot of thought. There's, you know, you're not, you're not necessarily even at a computer. You're just sitting and mulling this through your head and then getting onto the computer, seeing how other people have tackled similar problems. So yeah, simple question. How much, how much time do you spend thinking? Well, that's a really good question, actually. No one should listen to me. They'll go out of business um, because, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, um, what's happened instead of where I used to have these kind of one-day builds and stuff where I get everybody to focus on the one thing so you didn't get too distracted, but we had the job to do, to this now thing where I still book the same sort of time, but I'm saying give it two weeks because half of the thinking that I'm doing is out of the paid hours. So I'm kind of taking on a bit more of a burden for what I'm not being paid for in a way. It'd be very expensive for every client to really go through all the considerations that you might do if you followed someone like the Norman Nielsen group about how they would do UX, how you really, you know, they've got some very key fundamental principles. And, you know, I said to you earlier about, I think what saves you is process. Actually, process doesn't because everybody has to understand it. I think what has to happen, I think, for clients and designers to get along together is that they have to agree the principles in which they're working to. And I think that's the key thing with a UX design is that it sets it forward. In fact, if you look at the um, the YouTube channel for the the NNG um, group, um, you'll actually see they've got these key principles of UX design. And it's now something that I would share with clients. Please go and have a look at that because that's the kind of principles we work to. You know, if we assume, if you come to me and agree that like happy customers are important to your business, happy visitors are important to your website. If you agree that principles, let's work to the principles that other people who have been at this, you know, for 30 years, academically talking about it, let's work to those. And that's, that's been quite a good way in because it gets them thinking and gets me thinking and we're problem solving together rather than trying to, if you like, put forward our own ideas. You mentioned that you are spending quite a bit of time then thinking about it. Again, this is a little bit off piste, but do you do do that sat at the desk? I don't mean literally sat at the desk. I mean, (laughs) are you in office hours or are you, is this just the sort of thing where you daydream into it? You know, you've had a chat with the client, they've given you some of the things, you've had an initial scoping idea and then, I don't know, you're sitting eating your meal or something like that and and you're you're these ideas are percolating because i do like the idea of just having a couple of couple of weeks or something just to let the ideas percolate so long as you are consciously involved in it as opposed to just hoping that inspiration comes whilst you're playing a game of tennis or something like that but yeah just the idea that you know you'll give some thought you'll spend 10 minutes a day introducing new subjects into your own head and see what transpires yeah do you know what honestly percolating is perfect for it you do need time for these to put per- you know it's often when i'm going on the walk or something something will just enter into the head i'm not consciously thinking about it and you just suddenly think of the website from this point of view and i, I but i think it's happening a little bit with the clients and i quite like it because 
there's another thing that we forget, I think, with web design. If we come in and say we are the web design experts, well, we are designing for somebody else's target visitor. Mm. And we can't possibly, without the client, understand the motivations of those. So in some ways, we need a UX procedure to go through, or at least those principles, enable to gain insight to be able to represent somebody else's business. So it would be very arrogant of designers to sort of say, you know, leave it to me, I know what your business needs. Because if you're really thinking about the user, you don't, you know, it's impossible without the client's input. Yeah, it's interesting. I had several clients where I think the the target audience was basically me. And <laughs> yeah, that yes. conversation, the, the, the whole process was just a much more straightforward. And then I had a few clients where I was really alien. You know, these were high-level engineering types and that the language that needed to be adopted was very very scientific and honestly yeah. I really struggled with that because I just didn't I didn't even know on what level they were thinking you know are they thinking about money are they thinking about the technical details are they thinking about the time that's going to be saved blah de blah and that kind of stuff I found I really did find difficult so yeah getting into the head of the end user is something yeah. that I, I I I probably still would struggle with, and I never really made that part of my mission. It was more about just getting the project done, making the language seem correct, but never allowing myself to percolate and and have that kind of game in my head, if you like, of okay, what would what would what would it be like if I was that engineer? What would I be looking for? Yeah, exactly. And clients, it's really funny, you know, we're talking about because. Now I've got a bit better at asking the right kind of questions earlier on, but you know, clients will often, when you try to get the copy together with them and everything, and you point out what, how a copywriter might approach this and how it might need to look so it's scannable on a web page, you can bring that. But when it comes to actually what you're communicating to their target users, it's quite interesting in the conversation because you learn a little bit about their business and the people that they serve, uh, which is always fascinating. But also it's quite funny how you know, when you put the right questions to them, they go, oh, no, that doesn't mean anything to them. So like, recently it's been <laughs> somebody who's a, a, a psychoanalyst who, oh, you know, boy. we're thinking about their business is going to be as counselling. And they say, well, there's a big difference between the two, actually. Yeah. And they go, but do your clients know this? Oh, no. Ah. <laughs> so, okay. You know, so we c in that way, we'll just think, well, from the user's point of view, then yes. it's not relevant and we can get rid of, you know, we'll try and make it as easy for them to understand as possible. Did, so, your, did your psychoanalyst client in that scenario, did they immediately latch on to that? Well, we're not really that interested in what you think. The job yeah. here is to worry about what your possible clients think. Did that Did that lock in place? Were they like immediately yeah, on board? Away. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. But because of the, and I think it wouldn't have done before, but I think only because, and I think this is now my starting point to get out of the, because I hate it like you, we want to get on with people and do them a good job that they're happy with, but they will make wrong decisions because they're not cleverer than the experts. They, they might think they're cleverer than you and that might be the case, but they're not going to be <laughs> yeah. cleverer than these kind of big thought leaders about how we might approach this. None of us are. So I think by linking everybody up and saying, can we just agree to the one principle that the user comes first on this? Like, I think most people are going that direction, whether it's agile or UX or whatever. That is the way that the web's going. It's a user interface for people to be able to manage their tasks. And I think if you agree that principle, 
then a lot of the conversations sort of slot into place from that. Yes. It's the principle to which you work together on, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. So tell me this. This is a a candid moment. Have you ever had (laughs) a website client which you actually regard as they were impossible? That literally (laughs) was a project which I could not achieve. I had to just run away and moan in a Facebook group about their clear lack of intelligence <laughs> yes oh god too, yeah too many and that's why you know we're talking about this because it's i mean you know i've got through them i mean i've really hated a lot of the projects because i because of the fact that i've hated along the fact that i've gone and said okay let's just get through it we'll do what they want particularly if i'm now hosting them and they're coming back for redesign i think i can't do that again any longer i have to lose them you know, because yeah. Yeah. I just can't say, yes, they're right. But it's my fault. I set it up in the first place. If I'd have just found a non-friction way of communicating from the first place, let's establish some principles which we work together. It would have yeah, been, you are I'm gonna, sure, so much different. Yeah, you're going to weed out a lot there, aren't you? But do, do you think yeah. personality in any way comes into this? Do you think there oh, is course. a component of you are just so different to me. You know, the way that you talk just gets my hackles up. Every time we have a conversation, I come off and think, my Lord, what kind of a person are you? Is is there a bit of that? Because <laughs> I definitely, yeah. I, I would like to think that I never had those thoughts, but the truth is I did. You know, I, yeah. I, I felt spoken down to, I felt belittled, you know, people got cross with me in in ways which I felt were unreasonable and then that kind of sours the relationship so the personality component yeah really I think is fairly crucial as much as I wish it weren't yeah and do you know what I mean that's I mean one thing no no amount of agreeing principles and stuff will will get around the fact that some people just not likely to get on with each other they're you know all the opposite yeah but hopefully you could get rid of those very quickly in the first because some I think most of us have a gut instinct about the people we could work with. But what I'm more worried about is the fact that often there's good people I've worked with where it's gone kind of wrong, and I just think, I got it wrong. I did stop. I I've just had that two things. It's either me who's going to be the expert and I'm running it, or you're going to be the client, right? And you're the expert. And I think it's when good, when potentially good relationships have gone wrong is what worries me. The, the bad people who I just don't think I would ever get on with, I think I would rule them out from yeah, first conversation. I guess, I guess the, the problem there is you cannot have a conversation with somebody that you just are, you know, it, yeah. if there's that tension there, you're going to struggle yeah. to have any kind of level of conversation. And, and at the end, the only way you're going to get this worked on is through a conversation, you know, whether it's on email or Slack or in person or on the phone or whatever it may be. The conversation has to happen and it has to be at at least cordial. And if there's a sense of sniping at one another or a clear lack of lack of empathy towards one another, you know, bordering on hatred, it would feel like in some of the posts that you read in these groups, then maybe it is just time to shop, shop on that cut your losses and move on to the the next casualty. <laughs> I mean, sometimes, you know, with a first job, you can tell from an email the sort of, uh, you know, something that I would get rid of straight away if somebody came, you know, I've got a minor job for you. I'd probably do it myself, you know, but I don't yeah, have yeah, the time yeah. for it. And you could yeah. do this. And you would suddenly go, no, go away, you know, straight away because they've demeaned your occupation. Um, yeah, they know yeah, more yeah. than you. Yeah, they're, they're not, not valuing you from the outset. Yeah, exactly. 
yeah. th- there are a few of those that come along. So, but yeah, anyway, well, that just, I don't know if that's solved anything at all, but for me, it has certainly. I just think now uh, the key thing is get this shared shared uh, principles to work to. And then I think that steer, it's, it's been steering me in a much better direction than previously. Yeah, I think in answer basically to website clients are impossible, I think in brackets, the answer to yeah. that is rarely. It's, yeah. uh, it's, a, it's on both of us. You know, if they're impossible, you probably played your part. Um, yeah. You know, there may be extenuating circumstances, but you, you, I'm sure that in the vast majority of cases, people are coming to you, they want something from you. It's whether or not you can give it to them in a way that they can cope with, really. Yeah, exactly. Hey, what we didn't do is decide what we were going to do next time. Shall we just leave it as a mystery? Or yeah, do you let's want to- leave it as a mystery. Let's uh, well, t- in two weeks' time, we'll come back with a topic. Uh, let's. I've got a good one. Let's do website clients are impossible because we haven't covered covered that one yet. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll do that in a couple of weeks' time. All right, nice to chat, David. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that. It was lovely chatting to David about that. What infuriates us about website clients, I'm sure, could be reversed. What infuriates clients about us? If you've got any comments, head to wpbuilds.com, search for episode number 321, leave us a comment there. Alternatively, you can find us in the Facebook group. That's wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook. You could search for the same episode there. The WP Builds podcast is brought to you today by GoDaddy Pro. GoDaddy Pro, the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. You can find out more by heading to go.me forward slash WPBuilds. And once again, Thanks to GoDaddy Pro for keeping the lights on over at WP Builds. Well, we will be back next week because it was a chat with David and I this week. It'll be an interview next week. Do please remember the page to help Michelle Frechette get to WordCamp Europe. Go to wpbuilds.com. You'll find a little caption on the very, very top of our homepage where you can click through to a form. It's dead simple and donate some amount to help get Michelle there. That would be really, really nice. That's it for this week. We will be back, as I said, next week. You stay safe. I've got some cheesy music fading in. Bye-bye for now. Bye.